0: Welcome to Unstyled. I'm your host, Christine Barbrick, co-founder and global editor-in-chief of Refinery29. Each week, I invite a notable person to come in and talk with us as we explore the funny, inspiring, sometimes heartbreaking tales of life, work, and love, as told through the things that we wear. One of the benefits of hosting Unstyled is that I get to speak with women I've long admired, oftentimes from afar. But today is a little different. Today I'm speaking with two incredible women whom I've had the privilege of working closely with on a regular basis. Amy Emmerich, our chief content officer, and Elisa Kreisinger, executive producer and the host creator of Refinery29's award-winning podcast, Strong Opinions Loosely Held, are two women who truly live out the mission we began crafting almost 13 years ago, to be the catalyst for women to see, feel, and claim their power. I asked them on today because this month marks just 100 years since women gained the right to vote in New York, a state which has long been at the epicenter of action and women's advocacy. Seneca Falls was the site of the first women's right convention, organized by Elizabeth Cady Stanton in 1848, and in 1872, Susan B. Anthony went to the polls in Rochester, New York, breaking the law and voting for the president. 100 years after Anthony's illegal vote, Gloria Steinem launched Ms. Magazine, giving voice to the growing second wave of feminism. Our headquarters are based in New York, but Refinery29's voice, reach, and purpose is global, especially when it comes to carrying on the tradition of resistance. In this fourth wave of feminism, Our message is louder and more powerful than ever. Amy and Elisa are joining me today to talk about how, through this fourth wave, Refinery29 is steering the potential for women's media. Amy joined us a little over two years ago to help build the best team in establishing our unique voice and video, particularly as it relates to women, including our award-winning Shatterbox Anthology short film series, which featured directorial debuts from the likes of Gabourey Sidibe and Kristen Stewart. And Elisa, also known as the Pop Culture Pirate, inspires us weekly with Strong Opinions Loosely Held, a podcast that naturally weaves themes of resistance with pop culture. Women not only have a right to shape the future of this country, they have a great responsibility to tell their stories and create the space for other women to do the same. And thanks to advocates like Amy and Elisa, Refinery29 keeps doing that, broadcasting the resistance and the revolution as it happens. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for being a guest on Unstyled today. Thanks for having me. This past year has been extremely eventful, news erupting every, every day. It is our responsibility to be tracking that news and also to raise awareness around, around issues like sexual violence, gun control, the environment. Working together with our teams, we've realized you know the incredible responsibility that we hold. There's a lot of uncertainty. I think a lot of people feel uncertainty. What do you think our role is? Politics may not have been your jam before this world showed up. And I
1: think what we have to do is highlight every bit of information that we can so that people don't have any shame in the awareness level that they may have within the system right now, and they get more informed so that they take an action. When you talk about the suffragette movement and how they walked the streets themselves, right, to to do things, and listen, that wasn't perfect either. However, right now we're seeing tons of protests, and what's next? What do you do after you protest and then you get home? Is it the small things and how you support... The choirs and that are like raising up hope, and you're somebody who can donate money or participate. Are you making signs or are you running for office? There's such opportunity right now when we see hashtag Me Too, and not only because that is starting around what's happening with Weinstein today, but it's learning what happened 10 years ago that Tarana Burke actually started that organization, and how come we're all not aware of that? So that suffragette movement was always about the one thing of the vote, and how now today we have millions
0: of those movements, all fighting for so many things, and we're doing our best to support them all. You came to launch our video in a very aggressive way, and you were pregnant at the time, and we knew that if we hired you, you were going to sort of basically kick off your, your tenure on maternity leave, which was totally fine with me. But it was pretty clear shortly after you came that you had a much bigger purview over the impact of our content. And it became really clear that a lot of the principles that you were building into our video operation and the team that you were bringing together really had so much value across all of our content. And as a founder, I was really excited about that and excited about the experience that you brought to the table that was so different from my experience and and the rest of our founders and a lot of the rest of our executives. You grew up in Queens. I grew up on Long Island. We're about the same age. So I know that we probably encountered a lot of the same stereotyping. Both of the industries that we came up in really favored a lot of privilege and a lot of pedigree. And I didn't come from that background. I know that you didn't either. No.
1: Obviously, coming from a place where we didn't have much money, I tend to be a very big mama bear for those that are ignored or underrepresented. And I think in this case, it was definitely oh, had opened my eyes to the world that women were playing in that I didn't realize it myself. I think I also just ignored it because I was taught to push through, just keep going, always a hustler, nonstop. That's how my mind works. And to walk into a place that you guys had big dreams and you also gave me the room to to dream in, right? I didn't have the answers, but you gave me literally a space to say, dream big. And what do you want to do? And how do we do it?
0: That, that was a first. You'd spent about a year or so advice before you came to us, mm-hmm. and which is more of a male-centric environment. What was appealing to you about coming to a place that made content for women you know that is basically run by mostly women?
1: I learned so much advice in a short period of time, but I was going through a personal situation trying to have a baby and walking into refinery. It was very literally transparent and bright. The office was painted white. The windows were all open. The energy was there, like a kind of youth. And then meeting so many women like yourself, I think, who were really owning who they were. I don't know how else to describe it. You guys already each had your own voice. And it was you know, to be fair, too, it was very equal at the time. It was Philip and Justin, meaning you, Piera. There was a female CRO. You know, I mean, there was, it was an equal playing field in the room that day when I had to present for that job. And I didn't think I wanted that job. I was pregnant and I was with my second child. I said, this is nuts. Who, who <laughs> even takes this interview? And then I walked out that day and called my husband and said, uh-oh, I think I want this. So let's see what happens. But I think the energy, you know, I go a lot by gut. I could feel it more than I can lay words on it. This is another big opportunity. And you guys just had an
0: energy in that office that I had not ever seen. Wow. You definitely contribute to that now. I'm sure. (laughs) Tell me about your first experiences with female mentorship.
1: You know, it's funny because I don't know if I knew what feminist or feminism was growing up. It wasn't something that was discussed. You didn't know what was happening. So when I think about my first bout of feminism, I mean, I think sisterhood, which is I know a word you use, is easier because I can say that I've always been very lucky that I've had good girlfriends there's that saying: you can never trust a girl who doesn't have good girlfriends.
0: You have a really tight circle. I have a of very tight knit circle for a long time. Yeah,
1: I've been very lucky from the high schoolers who are practically like my extended family, and sisters who I've known for 25 plus years, my best friend from college who's the godmother of my child, and so I've always had that kind of group of women that stood up for one another, and those relationships are always very complex as a group and as individuals. And what do you supply? to one another and what's needed, but the professionally it's probably oxygen was the first time that I think we were really standing up for one another and supporting one another in our profession, which was really unheard of in a time when there wasn't social media, And we all had met each other. Oxygen had hired so many women. You know, Jerry Laborn launched that in 99. And I've never worked with so many women at the same time. And that was for a couple of years. And as we all went freelance over time, it wasn't that they were your competitors. It was a sisterhood of, hey, you never know who's going to get this job. Timing when you're a freelancer is always different. And we would email one another, hey, I heard about this gig. If you want to go in for it with me, no problem. And that's probably like my
0: first memory. You genuinely, genuinely care about women and their stories. You were a producer at Rosie O'Donnell. Intern. You started out as an intern. I started as an intern and okay. then a PA and an AP. What did you learn there? And why were you drawn to that form of
1: storytelling? What didn't I learn there? It was the first job I had ever had. Rosie was a force. She was someone I had already admired as a stand-up comic. She was doing stand-up comedy on VH1 She's at from the Long time. Island. She's from Long Island, yeah. too. She took on some aggressive topics like the NRA and, and and seeing how she had to handle that. I don't think anyone is prepared to handle that, especially back then. Rosie really did believe in real people. There was something about just really talking one-on-one to the average citizen, and highlighting how good they were and how special they were. And it gave me the bug to want to be out in the field and to meet those people and to really help tell their stories.
0: And you actually went out and reported a documentary on a reservation, right? Shooting docs, just,
1: I loved it. I just felt like we were really telling the real stories of people's lives in a way that no one had seen. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how much you love reality TV, reality TV started to take over. So we weren't really shooting the the real we were kind of crafting the reality a little too much for me and I was shooting something for New York Times television called Residence and it was about life in the ER and I was going from room to room after patients had very serious surgeries and I was I just couldn't take it it was very depressing I got to see a heart surgery a harvesting, which is where they take somebody apart and harvest the organs, and then it goes on to do two kidney transplants, a heart transplant. But every day, I'd have to go visit them to see if they were alive. And the stress of that alone in the hospital, day in and day out, I just was like, I don't know. And then trying to fake the reality of interviews, I'm like, this isn't for me anymore. I got to change it up. That's really tough. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, again,
0: an experience, but it was, I realized it was time for me to come out of the field. I had the pleasure of going to the Courage and Journalism Awards. There was a special moment where Rachel Maddow interviewed Andrea Mitchell, who was being honored. The thing that Rachel Maddow brought up is she said, that in the beginning it's so important to say yes, but there's a critical part in your career when you have to start saying no. And that's when you start to really develop your leadership and your vision and your voice, is knowing when to say no, that, you know what, that's somebody else's job. This is my job. Get out there and say something, because saying nothing is not the place you want to be. And I think that is part
1: of learning who your voice is.
0: Our brand and our audience are in such good hands with you in this role. This role comes with so much privilege that I probably had never had before in my life.
1: I can only hope I will ever know it again. You know, maybe my brother read me too many comic books, but with great power comes great responsibility. And I just feel that to the core and to the bone, and how are we always serving the audience?
0: We were just joined by a special guest, Elisa Kreisinger,
2: Hi. who,
0: um, a little bit of trivia, was Unstyled's first executive producer. I have you to thank for helping
2: me bring this beautiful podcast to life. Thank you. And I have, I have Amy Emmerich to thank for sending out an email on Sunday night uh, two <laughs> years ago saying, podcast, I think we should do it. Who wants to start it? I said, I'll do it.
0: That's pretty much how it works. We have a real um, big process at
2: Refinery. <laughs> Well, first of all, your handle
0: is Pop Culture Pirate. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from?
2: Um, Pop Culture Pirate comes from this idea that (laughs) I'm diving into a stereotype here, but I'm going to lean in. It's based on the fact that in order to survive in popular culture um, and in culture in general, women need to make their own culture. And in order to do so, they need to loot and plunder in order to survive. You launched our podcast division. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, The podcast that
0: you launched is called Strong Opinions Loosely Held, Mm -hmm. and it's been really successful. Why don't you describe what the origin was for that?
2: We used to end emails with, or start and start emails with, hey guys, strong opinions loosely held here, but I think we should do X, (laughs) Y, and Z. So it's a disclaimer. It was a disclaimer, and it was a way that, like, in typical lady fashion that I was putting down my opinion. I didn't want to come off too Fuck that. strong. I Exclamation points aren't my thing, you know? So I wouldn't follow it up with, like, three exclamation points. But I wanted to soften it and just be like, hey, I have this opinion, open to others, totally who want willing to, to talk about it.
0: Not overbearing or anything.
2: Right, right. It was just a way that I would soften it, and it was... You know, it was a lady thing I did. But so Strong Opinions Loosely Held, that's how that was where I got the name for it. And I thought if we could have a space where I had opinions, people I would talk to women mostly who had opinions about things, mostly rooted in data and research, though. I mean, they had to be based in something that we could build out a space for those opinions to flourish and, and, and talk about things. And and one of the big topics I wanted to talk about were big popular culture questions that I had, like, why do people hate Taylor Swift? Why do people watch HGTV? Why don't male bosses still get it in 2017? Um, Are internet influencers, like, are the women on Instagram actually making bank? There were these questions I had, and I realized that either public policy could answer them or academic research could answer them. But they had to be couched in, again, this popular culture lens. So the goal was to use popular culture as a spoonful of sugar to make those sociopolitical conversations and pop culture conversations go down a little bit easier.
0: What do either of you hope that we can achieve next year as we continue to move through this really confusing time? I mean, look, when you talk about midterm elections next year, the the ultimate dream for me would be that any female running, our job
1: is to make them as famous as Kim Kardashian which might seem very lofty, but I think there's got to be a way that we can wake up, again, part of our responsibility to our audience is that we are supposed to service her so that it's easier for her to find the information. And if she is looking for something that she already loves because of her own opinions, we can provide right next to that, hey, just so you're aware, how many of these women are running next year? What are they running for? Why you should care about this for many different reasons, no matter where you sit, but get active we're very good at, you know, marketing too. And if we are able to help build some of these women that are running and their brands, which I think is always a big part of us, even with PCP here, I think that's going to be the biggest impact that we can have next year. Just trying to drive action.
2: Yeah. And, and supporting the women who are running and support younger women to run in the future as well. I talked to Kirsten Gillibrand last season, and one of the big issues that she hit upon was if there were more elected officials who were women, you would see the type of changes that we talk about in our Facebook feed that affect us every day, that allow us to go get birth control for free, that allow us to have affordable, high quality childcare and health care. And I think that, you know, hearing her perspective from being on the floor and fighting for these things, if people got it, if her colleagues got it, then it would happen. That was a wake up call for me. So I think supporting women, but also encouraging women to run for office really helps us get those things that we need to make our lives easier
0: Kirsten Gillibrand 2020.
2: Yeah. And Kamala. I love Kamala. Kamala
0: is incredible. incredible. Yeah. Think about that change, right? This was not a conversation that I
1: could have had. I'm just saying working at Refinery, but also the world has evolved where we can have those conversations where people are getting to know who these names are. Mm -hmm. And that is even the first step. So Mm -hmm. now the next one next year has got to be get more active and the topics that you should care about and what you should support and why.
2: And it's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. It's happening. Women aren't going to say, hey, you know what? We were totally wrong. We're going to stop voting. We're going to stop having orgasms. We're going to stop driving cars. We're going to stop being on juries. You know what I mean? Like the change is coming. It's not like we're going to wake up and be like, oh, fuck, we were so wrong about that. It's just slow. And we need to just be patient and keep fighting for the stuff that we want to see and support the women that we want to see do it. And I have hope in that respect.
1: I, I just think I think you're right. It's changing. I think it's still just changing from a top down approach. So as we talk about intersectionality at the office every single day and what When I came to Refinery, we talked about supporting women all of the time. And Chelsea from our comms team said to me, it's time for you to start talking about women of color very differently than when we say women and separating that out and fighting for that. And I I, I think I see the change, but I can, it's almost like in the Matrix taking the blue pill and now you can't unsee the the challenges for everyone up ahead. And so the fight is going to be, yes, change is coming, but how do you fight to make sure the change is affecting everyone? Mm Mm-hmm that's going to be the next battle.
0: Amy and Elisa, thank you so much for being on UnStyle today. And thank you more so for being such important forces in Refinery29's future.
2: Thank you. I gotcha. Yeah. Thanks. Right back (laughs) you.
0: I hope you're inspired after hearing my conversation with Amy and Elisa. For even more Unstyled extras, check out Refinery29 or my Instagram at Christine Barbrick. You can also join the conversation using the hashtag Unstyled across your social media. And of course, we'd be infinitely grateful if you'd please subscribe to Unstyled on Apple Podcasts and rate us while you're there. You can head to refinery29.com to find this episode and more, and make sure to sign up for our exclusive Unstyled newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our show today was executive produced by Sarah Bernard, associate produced by Rebecca Easley, and edited by Priscilla Mena. Copy support was provided by Tommy Fitzpatrick. Our theme music today is by the artist Koff, and we recorded Unstyled with Paul Ruist at Argo Studios. We'll see you back here next Monday for a conversation with Alexa Chung on the life of the ultimate fashion outsider insider.